0: the right people in the right seats. We've heard that before. Sounds obvious. Sounds simple. Nice little catchphrase, right? But when it's not right, when it's even off a little bit, it hurts. It hurts your company, not just at the surface level, but all the way at the core. A little grit required. Brett Ruiz is next.
1: This is a Dash of Grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours. Here
0: is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. Folks, business is hard and you start it and you keep it going and you continue it going and you continue to grow and you add and you shrink and you grow again. And and you've seen it and my guest today has seen it. He started the company on his own. He's built up to, uh, to where he is now. He's gonna tell you all about that, but it is never easy and there's a lot of grit and we're gonna talk a little bit about growth with, with Brett Ruiz. He's the visionary and president at Medina Exteriors and Simply Distinct Kitchens and Bath. Brett, thank you so much for being our guest on A Dash of Grit. I'm really thrilled to have you on the show.
1: Absolutely, we're humbled to be here and we thank you for asking us, Brian.
0: Well, I'm excited because you and I have known each other for for a long time, and and I know your heart. I know your heart for community. I know your heart for God. I know your heart for business and making a difference in people's lives. I know your tagline for your business is improving lives by improving homes. It's not the other way around. Uh, you start with lives, and I and I know how dear that is to you, and and I'm excited to share that story with our folks. So can you, to start, share with us a little bit about success. Tell us what you're proudest about, what you're excited about for Medina Exteriors. Uh, give us a little idea of what's good right now for you guys?
1: I would say that, um, great question. And, and, and what's good is, um, we've been very blessed. Um, God's given us a lot of talent around us. Um, and, uh, it took me a while to, to realize that it's not all about me, (laughs) you know, that we need to have, uh, good talent around us and God's been really good in, in putting those people in place. So that's been really nice. And uh, that's been really good for our company. And as we've grown, we've been able to see people get married, have children, do those kind of things. So that's been kind of neat, almost like a second dad to some of them, as, as much as I don't want to say that, uh, that I'm in, you know, in my maybe 50s, somewhere around there. <laughs> maybe
0: somewhere. Yeah, me, yeah, too. Somewhere. me too. Yeah, somewhere. Me too, somewhere in there.
1: <laughs> I know, right? But uh I would say also probably a really good success story was one of my children came into the business. My youngest daughters are interior designers, so she's been working with us for about two years. So that's been been um, been really good because we had her go out in the work world first and then yeah. had her go ahead and uh, she decided to, to come on board with us. So we were excited about that. So.
0: And so that's really rewarding. And give us in a sense of, of what Medina Exteriors does. And, and I'm also interested in, I know you started the company on your own. And you've grown it. Can you give us an idea of the size? I know sizes and everything, but I'm interested in in how much uh, Medina Exteriors has grown over time.
1: Yeah, uh, another great question. Um, that's uh, and it goes right to the to the uh, the title of your podcast. You know, the grit of it. Um, what I really found was that it, you have to continue on a path, and and it has its ups and downs. It has its tough parts, and its good parts, and hopefully, there's more good and you don't quit. And, uh, we've been able to, you know, the first, you know, five or six years, you know, you're hoping to sell a job so that you get a deposit and make your, you know, your mortgage payment and cash um, flow. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. it's like, well, you even know that word cash flow. what's that? Yeah.
0: Imagine that. <laughs> That'd and be nice. <laughs> being able to,
1: uh, to move forward in, uh, where you start getting success, building the business and, uh, you know, we started out probably five, six hundred thousand. Then when my kids were growing up, we, you know, we were able to support the kids and college and that, a million and a half a year just myself. Yeah. And then as you started adding people, uh, uh, the growth has uh, grown to where we're uh, in 2019. We did 3.2 million and uh, being able to support other families with all my kids out of the house and everything. So it's been an evolution over time, You know, from dining Exteriors to dining Exteriors and Remodeling to you know simply distinct kitchens and baths to an 8,000 square foot building. So we've been very, very, very blessed in uh, being able to do that.
0: Good for you, and I, and I know you feel blessed, and, and, but I know that you've already said it, you've blessed others, I've heard it twice now. Success to you is that you are helping other families take care of their families. Is That's an accurate statement. And is that kind of the way you see things?
1: Yeah, that's very accurate. I think that um, that that is uh, super important in regards to people. You know, that's one of our three um, things that we go to. We have uh, people technology in our processes and people, you know, if you don't have that, then you don't have any of it. So I would say that's very accurate. And it's you know it's I, I had a guy leave this year and you know been with me twelve years, you know, to work for another company on in the railroad. His parents were in it and his his brother and it was about him. You know, it's about his family. He got married, he had a couple of kids. Life changes, you know, yeah. and we evolved and you know and I was happy for him, you know, yeah. because he got me where we were today. But then also uh you know, we were able to get him to where he was able to make that decision and he had a good you know, living before that. So it is, it's definitely about, um, about people that, uh, um, I found that out very early. It's not about dollars. And cents. that all comes, if you take care of the people.
0: Yeah yeah and when you take care of the right things, it, it makes it easy, but of course that's not what this show is about. This show is about the hard parts and, and, and there's so right. many people out there listening that, that there's folks out there wondering whether they can take a step, you know, hang a sign on their truck, get out there and get it done, you know pour in the grit to, to their daily uh, their daily toil and but then they want to have five employees and they want to have ten and they want to build it to three point two and it sounds easy you've been at this for thirty years it's not Can, can you share some stories that uh, when it wasn't so easy, when you were kind of losing sleep at night a little bit, and 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 talk to us a little bit about uh, some of those times.
1: Yeah, that uh, I would say early on, that's that's a, a very real scenario, you know, where you're losing sleep. I, I wouldn't say I, I didn't lose sleep, but I, I was pretty confident what I could do. Mm-hmm. Yet, I think that I glazed over it a little bit in was naive. I think when I was Ah. first in business, you know, like, Oh yeah, this is, I'll be able to do this. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. You just keep
0: on plugging along. Yeah.
1: Yep. And I, I think that at the beginning of it, it was nice because, you know, you're seeing the sales come in, you're doing it, you know, but then once I established that, I think then that was kind of the infancy started to walk a little bit. And then I think as I grew That was the easy part was the sales. It was all the other things. As I started to maybe run a little bit and start to become a teenager, all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, you know, I got to start dating. There's girls, there's this, you know, but it's all the stuff as far as like business, you know, that you don't think about, you know, the bookkeeping, you know, paying vendors, you know, discount, all that stuff. I think that was where it was kind of difficult for me. And I had to somehow figure that out. And know what my strengths were, and let go of some of those things that I was not good at. <laughs> and luckily, I have you know had a great wife that was very detailed, so okay. that was able to help. I mean, for me, I couldn't bounce a checkbook when I was 15, and I was trying to do it on my own. Yeah. So that that was very difficult. And then now, with obviously with some programs we had in place, and we'll talk with like EOS, which is a program we've been involved in, that uh, was putting right people in right places. And you know, we pumped our chest, thought we had all the people in the right places, and you know, your rose-colored glasses. Oh, yeah, that old's gonna fit in that circle. We'll we'll make it work. Well, it crashed pretty hard this year, um, where we lost uh three people. I say lost, and people think, oh, they died because they're thinking COVID. <laughs> i yeah, like, no, yeah, they yeah. they moved on in, in, in their careers to somewhere else. And uh I'd say a little bit more devastating for me because I thought we had this. All in place, processes that was going along well, we were hitting our goals the first quarter, and then COVID hit too, and I think that really changed a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of people's minds on stability. So
0: so let's talk about that. right people right seats. What does that mean? And, and then where did it go wrong for you? Was it the wrong seat? Was it the wrong person? Was it not your, your uh, the wrong understanding of what you had? Tell us a little bit about why it's important, but then uh, let us know kind of where where things went awry.
1: Sure. that's uh, The right people, right seat is having um, very, uh, what we call an accountability term, having people in positions that they're able to do personality wise, they're able to um, emotionally handle it and those things like that. So um, we had people that were here and we felt that we had those people. We did all the checks, make sure balances that they were the right people, make sure they are like, yes, I can do that. That's what I want to do. And, you know, they get it, they want it, and, and then they're able, capable of doing it. I think that it was going along so well that I didn't pay attention mm-hmm. as much as I should have. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had that when we first hired employees, similar situation. When I first did it, I did it all wrong. It crashed. And then the second time I did it, I did it better. So I think that kind of happened here with with the right people, right seats. And then when we found out they weren't the right people, COVID helped us in some blessings that one of them we probably were having trouble bringing back. We knew he wasn't the right, once we looked at everything, but then a couple of them left. So I would say that it was difficult and it came apart when when you start holding people accountable and you weren't before. I think that's really that made the difference is that they didn't like it.
0: Wrong person, wrong seat. It's an accountability and they're not right for it.
1: Yes. And that was hard for me because they'd been with me for a long time. We were making money. Yeah. But it was putting a lot of stress on the systems and processes in order for us to grow, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and, and that's what I want to know. What's, what's the negative about the impact on the business of having the wrong person in either the, in, in the seat, whether it's the right seat or wrong seat? That, because they're, they're either customer-facing or they're keeping you from goals or they're not happy. I and mean, what's the biggest bad part about having the wrong person there on the team?
1: I would say that for us, and in yeah. the ones that we had, was I think it was internally, mm-hmm. where it was with the operations and the sales, and then the financial was disconnected. And there was that I think we had more of that combative situation where it took us and started pulling us apart because now you're holding people responsible or, or accountable, and then all of a sudden, when you know someone's calling you out on it that maybe didn't before that create a tension within. Um, I don't think it was so much with our customers. I think we had good people that were ethical and and, and would do right. They weren't taking, but then things got dropped there too, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it just, it, it hits all parts of your business and it's almost like you're not rowing in the same direction. All of a mm-hmm. sudden you might have, you know, maybe 20 people rowing and, you know, maybe only 10 of them are rowing one way and everything's, that's the tension we felt is it, it, the, the boat kept trying to turn to the right. Yeah, And we're like, no, no, it's got to go this way.
0: And, and what can happen? Uh, and what do you think could have happened had it not kind of taken care of itself or had you not put your thoughts back into it and seen it? You, you mentioned you kind of took your eyes off it and it was just kind of happening. Let's say it doesn't get noticed. It kind of gets ignored. Uh, let's think about listeners now that might have some of those issues on their team. Now, what's the really bad thing that can happen when you allow that kind of a culture to kind of not be at its best and you allow it to kind of assist a little bit.
1: I think that uh, for me, it was a great lesson learned because I think inaction is absolutely devastating. Yeah, If you don't take action, I I think I knew it in the back of my head and yet I was, I don't know if it was God's working or what, but it it took care of itself. Mm -hmm. Yet if it hadn't, like you said, if COVID wouldn't hit, I I think it would have, worked itself out but I don't think I was a very good leader in taking and holding people accountable from my standpoint as the integrator yeah. in the company and the visionary so that the people below me probably there's there's parts of me that when those people you know that I should have done that would have made it a little bit I'd say not easier but we would have seen it faster yeah yeah I think I kind of just think I, I guess ignored it because you know the sales were coming in the energy it takes to make changes and then doing the changes. I mean, you're talking salespeople. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're doing three and a half million, three point two million, and I I only sold a hundred, hundred, maybe two hundred thousand in the last four or five years. That I think was scary for me. Yeah, is that you know you're that's if you don't have that you have nothing. It doesn't matter how great your operations manager is. It doesn't matter how great your financial person is. So that was scary for me to. I guess hold them accountable. Although we were, but I, I don't think I was doing. It. I was very bitter. I was upset. I was, I'm like, how can you not be doing this?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: The, you know, this is this is what you're supposed to do. And I, I think that permeated through the business. And that's where I learned. I, I, I was a bitter. I, I was like an elf. I was an angry elf. <laughs> you, you know, and and I, as I look back at it, you know, and talk to some people, that's that's what it was. Was it, it, part of it was that.
0: And so I'm interested, how does you being an angry elf in a leader position affect your company? Because you see how this happens. You have the wrong people in the wrong seat and that's a very surface level problem, but it affects the company deep into its core right to the heart, which is the person I'm talking to right now. So as a bad elf, what negative effect did that have on the company?
1: It made it not a very pleasant place to work. Yeah. You know, because I I, I think that those people, you know, by not being a couple, and I'm, I'm getting upset about it that, you know, they come in and, you know, they're walking on eggshells. Cause they're like, well, what's going to, you know, they, they just, so it, it was a learning experience, but it yeah, definitely, um, you have to be a good leader. And that's something yeah. that, you know, um, you know, God humbled me on. I, I, I thought I was yeah. maybe had a big ego, a little bit about it, thinking that, Hey, we got this all together. And, you know, we didn't, and I think it reared its head and I just didn't pay attention to it. And the other thing is that the people that we had in place and I think that they were the were part of it were they were the wrong people in the wrong seat or even the wrong people is that I didn't get pushback from them. Mm-hmm. I didn't get anybody saying, hey, you can't do that. You can't, you know, in a, in a positive, constructive way. And, and I look to maybe it was that I for a while, I'm like, well, maybe it was me. And I've talked to a few people and they're like, no, it wasn't you. You allowed them to perform. They just didn't. And it was, you know, yeah. basically the wrong person.
0: And and so now, and and let me let you know too, I've known you for a long time. You're not an angry elf. So you're being tough on <laughs> yourself. But I think it's good that you, you understand that that's the thing that can happen. But I'm interested now. I know employees, there's not, a, it, it's hard to find the right people. Um, and yet you have to find people to do the work that you need to do. So what what have you learned moving forward to make sure that you get the right people on the right seats? And what what won't you allow to happen? Uh, tell me about your yep. process there.
1: I, I I truly believe that if anyone else I tell that starts a COS journey, which is the operational system that we're doing, that has accountability charts, you're putting all this processes, things that every business should be doing. And uh, I did it in my gut for a long time. And we did pretty well. But I think that when you start to put that into place and it starts to hold people accountable, may mess with their pay a little bit because maybe they're not doing as many roles or doing things like that. That's the biggest fear is that you, you, you could lose everybody or you could lose very important positions. So I think for us, what happened was, is as we did that, that really manifest itself that they were the wrong people. Yeah. And so going forward, I would say what I would do is I would keep what we had as an accountability chart, the roles that we had, maybe tweak them a little bit and hire for those roles and for those to make sure they understand that. So that would be, yeah. and that's where they would start at ground zero. So we gave the other three or four people that opportunity and we've had three or four that accepted that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, those roles and they're doing them very well. They understand it. You know, so um, that's what I would say would be the biggest next challenge that we're going to have is to make sure that we hire on our core values, make sure that we hire based on the roles and make sure we hold it from the beginning. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. And it's really fair to, it's really fair to the employee too, that, that they (laughs) know what those roles are. They know what those values are because an unhappy employee in the right, wrong, if a good employee in the wrong seat is not a good employee, they're not happy. Yep. You need other ways around And Have you ever had to fire uh, based on values or accountability yeah. or things where it just wasn't right? Has that ever been a thing for you?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We we were very good at that to begin with. And I think that when we when we when we started the the, the values and, you know, every they all had that yet. It wasn't. You changed. You kind of shifted and changed on them. Mm -hmm. in regards to holding them accountable to exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And that did not go over well with half the employees. And then the other half, our team members were like on board with it. And then it created, that's where I think that tension happened between the half that were and half that weren't. And it was kind of underlying, kind of like a, what do they say? Like an iceberg, it's just that water was flowing underneath it. And I sensed it, but I I think it would have worked itself out. But I think I'd have been a little short, uh, or it would have taken longer.
0: Yeah, it's so. kind of easy to ignore, isn't it? You, you, somebody's got a job, they seem mm. happy, it's it's a pretty good fit. But we just know, we're, and we're telling our listeners now, if it's not the right fit, if it's not the right person in the right seat, it's not good for anybody. And so something needs to be done,
1: right? It's got to be done quick. Yep, Yeah. But then what's the other thing? Everybody says, hire like, like, slow, fire quick. Yep. And I knew that. But again, I think the people that we were looking at that were not conforming to our new processes and our new roles and accountability chart were in essence, the lifelines to the business. They were the sales. Yeah. And what God taught me was that is with, we had zero when we, we laid everybody off when we started COVID March 30th. Oh, you did everybody. Big, wow. Yeah. That's our biggest overhead is, is payroll. Yeah. because so, we didn't know, could we go in houses? Could we work? Could we not? And then, you know, I was praying about it and God, I, I didn't pray for this. So I don't want the listeners to get <laughs> the wrong idea, but it, a tornado hit April 7th in Medina. Okay. Smack dab in the middle. And we went from zero miles an hour to a hundred miles an hour.
0: Yeah. And helping I got people back rebuild their homes and things, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. so we okay. went out,
1: parked like 60, 70 houses, me and my project manager. And I'll tell you that, um, that allowed me to see that. I can still get on the horse and sell. I sold a ton of work, and I, I've sold probably eighty percent of our work this year. Yeah. And then I think that also when we change things, the next generation for our the people that we're bringing in. Um, I used to be a salesperson for somebody, and you know, don't mess with my pay. I have how I do my thing, and I'm going to do it that way. And I'm, it's hard for me to change because I'm, yeah. I'm making money. We salespeople
0: are something else, aren't we?
1: We are. <laughs> you know, we we get stuck in our rut, but yes, we do. So that's our next goal is, is to start changing. And I think that goes in a little bit about what um, what are we going to do next? And that's, yeah. well, let, let, let's look at, uh, we have all the technologies, we have, you know, Zoom, we have all these things where we can do, but my salespeople wouldn't do it because this is how I've always done it. Yeah. Why change?
0: Why change? What's your biggest fear then moving forward? It, it, it's currently COVID where there's uncertainty, <laughs> employee issues. What What's the big challenge for Medina Exteriors moving forward then?
1: I I would say, I don't know if we have any really big challenges. I would say that, uh, I I guess what would be our biggest challenge would be finding out exactly what the direction we're going to go with our, you know, sitting down um, with what we have left of our leadership team and just creating a direction of what we want to do. I I think it kind of, and I always say this to people, I'm like, you know what, I've been in business for almost 30 years. And when can you say, when you've been in business for 30 years, I've been very successful in the world's eyes um, that you can reinvent yourself. And that's mm-hmm. really the point that we are at right now is that there's some opportunity for us to reinvent ourselves, not for for Brett Ruiz and my wife. I mean, obviously that's part of it, but yeah. I think that for the next generation, you know, we have young people working for us. And also how are we going to improve lives and improve homes for the next generation, how they think, the millennials, the next-geners. Okay, my hmm. daughter had her kitchen painted all by text with the guy. Seven yeah. grand. Seven yeah. grand. The only time he met her was when he came over and showed her, which white did you want?
0: And that's shocking to old guys like us, isn't it?
1: Yes. So that's, I think, our biggest challenge next is to, how do we blend that where we still have enough business, but, you know, so giving people that, that transition from... It's going to be, all you know, I, sometimes I go, I'm, it's, I'm all in on, it's got to be, they got to come to the showroom or we got to do a virtual or whatever, but there has to be that balance there because we still have a lot of people that are in their forties and fifties, but yeah. we're getting a lot of people in their late twenties, thirties and five, six years from now, that is going to be our primary clientele and primary um, market that we're going to have to go after.
0: And you've got to be ahead of that to make it, make it count and to be able to serve them well. That's the key.
1: Absolutely. I agree. Well,
0: well put. And, and so, so the right people in the right seats. I think it's important for listeners now to know that you do have, or at least are trying to have, the right people in the right seats, and that makes me think good about your company. It means that the people that you believe in, the things that you believe are, are important to your company, are the things and the people that your customers will experience. And I think that's really important to to point out. And so, if there's someone else out there that's thinking about home improvement, or even an entrepreneur out there that's thinking about EOS or or having employee issues or things that wants to reach out to you and talk. To you, uh, I imagine you wouldn't mind. How would they uh, find you? How would they contact you?
1: Absolutely, that I, and that's probably the biggest thing that I am a proponent of is that, um, number one, I'm a good student, I'm a very good student, I, I don't invent things, I don't, you know, I, I, I can't do all that stuff. But if I sit with, with Brian and I and we talk about something, and I'm like, dude, that's a good idea, how'd you do that? Show me, I'll learn it, yeah. you know, and then I'll put that spoke into my wheel. So I would say that, um, Absolutely. I mean, someone took the time to do that for me, you know, 30 years ago when I started in business, five years, all that. And then I like to give back the same way. So um, people can reach me either through LinkedIn under our company name or, or my name, Brett Ruiz, um, our website at Um, And even Facebook, we're on that. So Great. I don't monitor that one. I have somebody monitoring that one. So, but yeah, absolutely. Anybody interested in entrepreneurship or Uh, business sharpening businesses and things like that. I I really enjoy that aspect of it because you get to teach, but also you learn as you teach and I get better. Yeah. It makes sense.
0: Yeah, it absolutely does. We learn from others as we try to teach and share our things. And we just grow together, don't we? Yeah, and, and, and that kind of brings us to the end of the show. And I'll thank you for talking about growing together and learning. You were one of the first people I, I met when I, I left the radio world and joined this strange <laughs> internet marketing thing that I'm doing now uh, almost 11 years ago. And I thank you for that wow. partnership and mentorship at that point. And, and uh, you taught me things that I didn't even know I needed to learn. And so I uh, I appreciate that at that time. You're so.
1: Absolutely.
0: Thank you for being on the show, Brett. It's been a really pleasure. And I, and I think that there are businesses out there that are trying to figure it out and trying to maybe don't quite know what's wrong. And so yeah. some of those things you talked about with EOS and, and, and making sure the people are right. I think that's probably the best lesson that you can teach them.
1: Absolutely, I agree. So thank
0: Thank you very much. Quick plug for uh, Spire Advertising. Brett uh, Ruiz was talking a lot about accountability, and Spire is a marketing company that is responsible for the good things, but we take accountability for the bad. And I think that's one of the things that separates us. That marketing is not easy. If it were easy, right, Brett, we'd all just put up a website and we'd all be millionaires. It's not easy, and and people can spend a lot of money, and uh, it's hard to be perfect. So if you're looking for a, a partner for that, for your business, uh, that will be accountable for the bad and, and, and help you be responsible for the good. You know, check us out at spiread.com. Uh, you can reach me at Brian at spiread.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm the director of sales with Spire. My name is Brian Leffelock. Thank you again, uh, Mr. Ruiz. I am, am thrilled to have you on the show and thank you for your friendship. and And I wish you the very best.
1: Maybe sound so old, Mr. Ruiz. <laughs> <God>
0: <laughs> well, bless we, man. thank you. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got it. Brett is the uh, president of Medina Exteriors. Check them out, and thank you very much for tuning into Dash of Grit. Now go show some grit and win the day.
1: This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things.